The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined, as always, by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer. We come to you on the heels of the end of another Tiger football regular season. Memphis ends up at 6-6 six and six for the second straight year. Eighth place in the American Conference after a loss to another close loss to SMU. 34-31, Seth Hennigan throws the late pick to end it. Um, and so now we await to see where the Tigers will go bowling for a ninth straight year. We are not, it appears, waiting to see any longer about the future of the head coach, Ryan Silverfield, um, as reported here and elsewhere, is is being retained for a fourth season. Um, you know, not a surprising development whatsoever, even though, here and elsewhere, there has been, you know, speculation about what might happen as this season, you know, kind of went off course uh, for, you know, at times, obviously. Um, but uh, he will be back. So we're going to break it all down here in a little bit um, and uh, we'll get you ready. You know, we'll talk may- what bowl game will the Tigers go to, uh, maybe get into, you know, what to expect uh, now that the off season is, you know, really almost here. You know, ultimately there'll be a bowl game in two, three weeks, four weeks, whatever it ends up being. Um, but for all intents and purposes, you know, the transfer portal is going to open soon. Early signing day is about to happen. Um, it's, you know, the off season is right around the corner. So a lot to get to on the podcast this week. Evan, let's start here, though. Um, let's start with the news about Ryan Silverfield, the confirmation, if you will, that uh, while nobody's really happy with how this season went, just like nobody was really happy with how last season went, Ryan Silverfield is going to get a fourth season to get this thing back, headed back in the right direction. Um, what's your reaction? Not surprised. I think it was a it's expected. Um, I've said on I've said other places that the minute they won the Tulsa game. I thought that's that sealed that he was coming back for another year because they were going to get to another bowl game, and I also at the time thought six and six was a realistic possibility in seven and five. So here we are. Um, I also think that it's something that I know a lot of people were were frustrated with, but you know, as I wrote in our analysis, in my analysis at commercialfield.com, it makes sense for a couple of reasons because there was always a scenario I had in my head before the year that no matter how this year went for Memphis. My gut told me, what if Memphis decides, hey, we'll get another give Sealfield another year. You're going into an AAC that's going to be significantly weaker than this conference right now. And you have a chance to really kind of, you know, get some wins and find a way to, you know, look like things are turning around a little bit. And so that scenario is still in my head right now. But overall for right now, I'd say I'm not surprised by it, but I also think that it puts a lot of pressure over starting, I you said the offseason's not here yet. I say starting now because over the next 12 months, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Memphis to get this thing fixed, and it has to start. Like, you know, when the transfer portal opens up, 
Memphis better go in there looking for the right people. When the bowl game comes around, Memphis better put forth a good effort. You know, all these things are going to have to happen over the next 12 months. So, again, not surprised, but the pressure on Memphis and the seat for Ryan Sewerfield is definitely going to be a lot hotter and higher come these next 12 months with this news. Yeah, no, for sure. He's got, I mean, he's got a, he's now had two, you know, back-to-back seasons that were disappointing. And the school is in an interesting spot. It feels like they're kind of stuck, you know, ultimately, um, is how it feels right now. Um, But there are, as you pointed out, I think some, you know, realistic things that suggest it's not, the worst move. I don't agree. You know, like I, I've made very clear, like I, I think this is kind of delaying the inevitable, but I can also concede that there are factors at play that, you know, they lost, a, they lost four, six, what was it? Four games by seven points or less. Yep, yep. Three of which, you know, essentially one play separated, you know, cause, you know, you could say you could point to one play that could have been the difference. You know, in the Houston game, obviously a terrible collapse, but, you know, you were were recovering the onside kick or making a tackle on Clayton Toon away from, you know, winning that game. ECU, you get that two-point conversion in double overtime. You Mm -hmm. win that game. SMU, you you kick the field goal instead of Seth throwing an interception. You go to overtime. Who knows? It's up for grabs. Um, And, uh... So I can see why, you know, they can, I don't know if a lot of people, uh, let me make clear. I don't know if a lot of people in the fan base are buying it, but at least you can, you can say with a straight face, Hey, we think if they catch a few breaks another year with another year of experience for Seth Hennigan, like a weaker conference, a weaker schedule, like we're not really far away from being a nine and three team. And I, you know, I think I, again, I don't know if a lot of people in the fan base are buying it. I'm not necessarily buying it. You know, I don't, I don't think Ryan Silverfield has shown me that he's capable of making this an elite program in the AAC, but given the financial situation at Memphis, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable to go this route. Um, Let's make that clear. Um, do I think it'll ultimately be remembered as the right move? Uh, no, probably not. I mean, I don't think that, I think this whole situation ultimately <laughs> won't be viewed as the right move. What the, the, the hiring of him when you were at your peak, um, and, and extending this out, you know, giving him another year on his contract after the COVID season, none of it, I think is going to ultimately be remembered as the right move. Um, but I also don't think you can say it's a crazy move, if that makes sense. Um, in some ways, financially, it's a responsible move. Um, given, you know, if you don't want to pay three and a half million dollars, you don't have anyone ready to step up and pay that type of money. Um, but it, like, like you put it, it does put, um, it does feel like next year, you know, there has to be a dramatic improvement. Um, and what does that mean? You know, like what need, you know, to me, it's going to be very interesting how he ultimately decides to, he's going to have to make some changes. Obviously the roster is going to change because in this, this era that's inevitable. You're going to lose some guys to the portal. You're going to gain some guys from the portal. Hopefully that'll be impactful. Um, 
But um, I think the staff, once again, is going to change. Now, the question is, I don't think my gut tells me these two coordinators are they're not going to make a change there. Ultimately, they just came in. They just brought them in last year. Um, and I would suspect I think you can correct me if I'm wrong here. They had multi-year deals. Is that right, Evan? Yes, they have multi-year deals. They'll be on their second year next year, so their contracts don't expire until after the 2023 season. So if you're not willing to spend on a new coach, why are you going to spend on buyouts of a coordinator? That wouldn't make sense. You know what I mean? Um, so it'll probably be some changes. You know, my, it sounds like given the special team's performance outside of the kicking game part of it, feels like the special team's coordinator might be on the chopping block, maybe the O-line coach potentially, um, you know, but there's going to, it's not going to be, I don't think there's a, I don't see a scenario where there's like wholesale changes to the staff. Um, and so it's largely to me going to almost be not rewinding it back, but really say really this fourth season is going to be okay. Ryan Silverfield, you have this way of you've transformed this program in your molded this program in your image, it better work in year four. That's what it feels like. Yeah, no, no question about it. I think to me, the standard for Memphis for next year is getting to a bowl game is not enough. Getting seven wins to improve from this year is not enough. Memphis has to contend in the AAC next year. They have to be a contender for at least through the second or third week in November, right before, you know what, week 11 or 12. They we have to be in. They have to be in the mix. I, I think that's a yeah. bare minimum because this is a team that, as you spoke to uh, AAC Commissioner Michael Resco, this is a team that is seen as a, a important program in the new AAC that's coming up here. And so I think Memphis has to contend. Now, what those the win total, you notice I didn't say, but they have to contend. They have to be a team that contends. Yeah. And I also think they have to look better. They have to be a team that, you know, is not a team that just doesn't get penalties, doesn't have any, you know, cheap personal fouls. All the doesn't time. blow lead. Doesn't right. blow big right. leads. Right. You got to be know, a team that's competitive. His game, you know, let's just be honest. Ryan's game management this season was a mixed bag. That can't happen again. Right. Um, right. Things like that. There has to be real improvement shown. Right. Uh, I think you're right. Um, now, all that being said, I think a nightmare scenario almost in some ways is like if you go seven and five or eight and four, you know, like what do you do then? I don't know. <laughs> you know, you're bet right back here almost in some ways. You know, I like th I felt like this was kind of the nightmare scenario because it was like you made a bowl, but very clearly no one was satisfied with the season, but it wasn't like a total disaster because my gut tells me if you're four and eight, three and nine, something like that, like the decision's a lot, you know, the decision's pretty, pretty easy pretty straightforward. Um, but that wasn't the case. They won, you know, they won some games, you know, they went, they won one game over a team above 500, but they did win, you know, the games they were supposed to win for sure. They won. And yes. that's how they got to six and six. They literally didn't win a game that was either a toss up or they weren't supposed to win. Right. Um, but, is, but is that enough though? Do you think that, do you think if that happens next year, that would be enough of an improvement or do you think they have to actually start beating some teams that matter you know well it's an interesting dynamic in that the the contract runs out after the 2025 season so here's the other part that i think people need to realize going into next year after next season ryan will have two years left on that deal i think 
that's a point in time, like it's hard to recruit when you only have two years left on your deal. I think you're going to have to make, you're going to have to make a decision. You're either going to have to give them an extension or you're going to have to get rid of them. That's why, that's why I'd say going like seven and five, eight and four, I would not envy anyone who has to make a decision. I, here's what I'd say. I would know what decision I would make, but knowing the people who are making the decision, I don't think that's going to be an easy decision for them to make, uh, given they're the ones who have to raise the money and all that stuff. But um, that is the reality of this. I really do think this coming season will be a season where Ryan either loses the job or he keeps it for a, for a decent chunk of change, if you will. Like he gets an extension. Like that's that's those. I don't think there's necessarily an in between. Um, there could be, I guess, but then you're really kind of cutting the program off at the knees uh, in ter- from a recruiting sense. If you're if you're having them go into a season with only two years left on the deal, that makes it really hard to recruit. I agree. I think that's a very interesting perspective. So I think we'll see what happens. But for now, I think if you're Memphis, the one thing that can really help yourself is get this bowl game win. Because the last thing you need is we're all looking at six and six right now. Seven and six looks a lot better than six and seven. So I think this bowl game, there's even there's more sense like, hey, this can be the stars. And the players have said that. I think if Memphis gets to seven wins, that's still something you could say, hey, we got more one more wins than last year. So I think that puts a lot of pressure on this bowl game. And we'll get into that, like what we think about that bowl coming up. But like, I think it puts a lot on this bowl game for Memphis that has to come out, win this bowl game. And if you do that, seven and six gives you a little something to go into next year instead of if you lose, you're six and seven. And whoever was feeling, you know, apathetic already is probably going to feel a lot less secure about where things are. See, I'll say this about the bowl game. I, I think you're right in that winning the bowl game is better than losing the bowl game. You know, Ryan's had a lot of senses during his tenure, like lowest, you know, lo- longest losing streak since, you know, lowest attendance since, you know, all those things. He's had some ba- a lot of bad senses. And yes, losing yes. the bowl game means you finish under 500. So that's just adding another sense to his resume. You know, first time Memphis has finished under 500 since. You know, it adds another bad sense to his resume. But I ultimately think he's going to be judged on next season. If next season goes well, he keeps the job. If he, you know, if he, if it doesn't, like, I don't think the bowl game really matters for that. Um, and I don't, like, even though you will, it's, it'll be nice. It'll be good to be able to say we didn't finish under 500. If you win the game, you know, um, I don't think winning this bowl game is going to change anyone's minds in terms of how they feel about Ryan Silverfield. The people, the people who still support him, or at least are willing to give him another year, I think is probably the best way to put it. Not necessarily support, um, are still going to be willing to give him another year. The people who want, you know, are kind of up, you know, up in arms if you will, or, or are, you know, would like, would have liked to have seen a change made this year. I still think those people are going to feel the same way, regardless of how the bowl game goes. So I think from like a a cosmetic standpoint, sure. The bowl game matters. You don't want to have to say, you want to be able to say we finished above 500 for X number of years straight or however long it's been nine years, probably as long as the bowl streak has been going. But 
at the same time, I think if you really, if you know, foundationally in terms of, you know, the Ryan Silverfield era, you know, I think the bowl game will kind, yeah, you know, like the bowl game will come and go. Ultimately, um, I don't think you're gonna whether they win it or not. You're probably still not gonna feel great about how the season went. You know, it'll 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 be at least it leave you with a good taste. Um, but the reality is, next season is everything now um, in terms of you know the direction of the program because if next year's another ho hum year and you make a coaching change and you know probably that coach is gonna have some growing pain. You know, like next year feels like a year that's gonna de- you know determine quite a bit now um, for the future of the program. Um, which isn't to diminish the bowl streak. It's just, I think, the reality of the situation. Yeah, I think so. And I would say that it, it it's going to be also a lot tougher because you lose some key players on this team. You lose, for seniors at least, we know right now, you're going to lose Quindell Johnson, uh, Xavier Collins. You're losing Chris Howard, your kicker, Joe Doyle, your punter. Um, you're, you're losing, I believe, Gabriel Rogers is also leaving. Um, we're still waiting to see what, you know, some seniors like Jalen Allen and Acer Martin are going to do. So you're losing some key players. And if you think about it, the last two seasons, they've lost some big guns who were either big time players on that 2019 team or contributors or the guys who really kind of helped carry the Silverfield era, like in Austin or Quindell Johnson. So I think it adds more pressure, too, because you need to find new leaders, new players who are going to step up and 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 lead this team in some ways. Now, granted, with Silverfield back, we we can assume Seth Hennigan will be back at quarterback, and that's huge. Caden Priestcorn will also be back. That's a great weapon to have after his strong season. But you're going to need to replace some guys who have been playmakers and strengths of this team, and that's going to add more pressure. Like, how does Ryan Silverfield develop these guys to develop his next generation of, 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 of leaders? Does he go into the transfer portal? Does he find guys on the team who are ready to take a bigger role? All of that's going to be looked at next year to make it a very – interesting season to watch with all the pressure that you mentioned on top of it. Yeah. So where, uh, where you think the tigers are going bowling? What's your best <laughs> guess? We're recording this November 29th. It's, uh, in the af- late afternoon, Tuesday afternoon. What, what's your best guess right now? What do you think the prime options are for the tigers bowl game this year, Evan? All right. So we know that the independence bowl and Frisco bowl reps were at the SMU game with Memphis. Uh, they were observing both teams, I believe, from what we've seen, what I was told. Um, I would say those are probably the two leading candidates at this point. Now, uh, you'll see all the projections. We're attaching them in our, our podcast link story here. But uh, I think those are probably the two favorites. Birmingham is obviously going to still be in play if the SEC does not have um, all you know enough teams to fill its requirements. But I just think... Independence and Frisco more so because those are games that are probably not going to be against Power 5 teams. And with Memphis in eighth place, I don't see them facing a Power 5 team. So I would say those are my two favorites. Independence in Shreveport, Louisiana, or the Frisco Bowl in Texas. Okay. Yeah. I think we find out Sunday officially. I'm guessing we're going to leak out ahead of time. Usually, Usually Brett McMurphy breaks these things first, it seems like. Uh, these days ahead of the bu- these selection shows and what have you. Um, but uh, yeah, should be uh, interesting. I, I mean, I, I'll hopefully I'm hoping for like a historical, like a Southern miss or, you know, something, something a little spicy. Cause I don't think, I think people make, you know, some of these bull projections projectors 
don't understand how the AAC does their bowl berths. Like other conferences, there's like a set pecking order, but the AAC typically tries to make sure that the bowl games in which it's actually playing against a power five opponent, um, it puts its best teams up against those, those teams. And so I just don't see Memphis. They're not going to put Memphis in a bowl game that involves a power five team, even though some of these bowl projections are still projecting that some of them are still projecting that. Um, So it's going to be another group of five team, I think. And so if it's, that's the case, you know, wouldn't be wouldn't be so bad to play Southern Miss. I know I think they're going to play them later on. They have a, a or maybe maybe they've been talking. I think behind the scenes about getting that series back going. Oh, um, maybe, but maybe yeah, the Jason Munns Bowl we could call it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but like you know something like that. I don't know that that seems to be best case scenario at this point in my mind. Yeah, and I'll and again that's kind of the reward you get for being you know the lowest ranked you know, bowl eligible team in the AAC. And so also let's, let's be honest, facing another group of five team could be favorable for Memphis's chances to win the game. I mean, and yeah. for, for all the thing, Ryan, for all the things Ryan has done, you know, and we've talked about the program, he's gotten to three straight bowl games, which I think I wrote only Tommy West and Mike Norvell have done. If he gets a second bowl win, I think he and Tommy West would be the only coaches who have won two. Um, so that's something that I think he can hang his head on. But again, I, I would be curious what fans think about either one of those games. Like they're both reasonable to travel to. Um, you know, it, both of those games I believe are before Christmas, so everybody will be done and out. You know, for the Christmas holiday. Um, so I'll be curious what fans think about if it if it is ends of one of those two games. Yeah, yeah, and, no, and then it's this whole new world of, you know. The transfer portal opens on Monday, and there's a set time period where you can enter it. So, which tight, you know, which Tigers are actually going to play in the bowl game? I'm going to be honest. Like, I don't yeah. know. You know, there's going to be some guys, and my gut tells me there'll be a couple guys who are at least key contributors who enter the portal. And partly because probably how the season went, but also partly because that's college football today. Um, like everyone's <laughs> going to lose players. So that's another dynamic to this. Like, who's going to actually play uh, for the Tigers? Are they going to – I shouldn't say that. Are they going to lose anyone meaningful to the transfer portal that, that, you know, could actually hamper them in the bowl game, not just long term? Yeah. No, I think it's a fair question. You look at someone like, obviously, a Quindell Johnson who's who's got some, you know, who's you know, probably going to get some NFL draft consideration. Does he think about, hey, you know, I may not be getting a lot of talk right now. Maybe I need to protect myself and the limit, you know, whatever draft stock that I have. Um, I, I think that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and I do yeah, think that, that could be one, maybe. Yeah, yeah. maybe so. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, with we just found out today, David Kemp, the, the kicker, is in the transfer portal. Obviously, Chris Howard will play, but you know. If you if, if God forbid Chris Howard gets hurt, you're down to just one mother kicker on the on the roster. So uh, I think that would be interesting. I think Zay Collins is going to play. He strikes me as somebody who loves to play football. The coaches rave about how much he enjoys to play. I think he's going to play in the game. Um, I would say that's the case. But yeah, we'll see what happens with this portal. If anybody decides to leave before the bowl game, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. Now they will. They can play. You know, more than likely. Even if they get one of the late bowl games, they could officially play in the game and then still enter the transfer portal. No bowl that Memphis is going to go to is after the portal closes. 
um, for the year. But, you know, if guys just want to focus on where their next school is, um, I can see them doing that. Now, at the same time, bowl game could almost be like an audition if you're looking to go to the portal um, in some ways or your last audition. Yeah. It is the reality of college football now. Everything's Um, about the portal. Everything's about like, you know, hey, if we're we're playing hard, it's not because we have pride. It's trying to impress the next stop. Yeah. Um, and who knows? Yeah, like honestly, Memphis probably scouting the bowl games for its own, you know, its own, you its, own uh, its own <laughs> needs. Um, no, it it will be interesting because I think from the portal, if you're looking at it from Memphis's perspective, like they do need to find, they need to find, honestly, the the thing that feels like the biggest priority to me in the portal this year for them is finding some more weapons for Seth Hennigan. Um, you know, they added Joe Skates this year, and he had his moments. Um, they added Javon Ducker this year. He had his moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but all in all, it didn't feel like they had the same firepower that previous Memphis teams have had. Frankly, even then previous Silverfield teams have had uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and I think that combined with an offensive line that was very inconsistent you know, I think contributed to a year for Seth Hennigan in which, you know, he wasn't bad, but he certainly didn't make a jump from his freshman year, finished eighth in the conference in passer efficiency mm-hmm. um, this year. Um, they need to find more to put around him, uh, ultimately. Um, and you saw on defense, you know, I thought the best unit on that defense at times was that linebacking core. And yep. basic, you know, Cullens was a mainstay, but everyone else who was really an impact player there was picked up out of the portal. Um, and then you got to keep some of these guys. You know, it's not, it seems like they're going to keep Seth, it appears, Hennigan. But, you know, Caden Priestcorn might get some looks. Cameron Jackson is power five sized yes. and was pretty effective this year at times. Um, you know. That's you know those are t- a couple those are a couple names in my mind too. If I'm Ryan Silverfield, I'm you know I'm making sure I'm on good terms with those guys and their people uh, going into this and making sure I get a good offer ready, so to speak. Um, you don't want to have what happened last year where they lost Morris Joseph late in the process, and right, ultimately it's because Auburn could offer him more. You know, like ultimately Auburn came calling. Um, but you want to make sure you've you're you're best positioned, if you will, um, to fight off some of that, um, because there is I think there will be a few guys on this roster who get, you know, other teams try to pluck. Absolutely. This is the name like you said, it's the name of the game. And I think if you're looking at some of the Memphis players, maybe they say, hey, 12 wins in two seasons. Maybe I want to take my stock elsewhere. Who knows? I mean, it's it's going to be very interesting. And as we know, you know, Memphis has had is having some issues right now with NIL in terms of, you know, being able to try to retain players. And that was their worry is if they don't have enough NIL money, players will possibly be enticed by other offers. I mean, I, I think that's something that absolutely will happen, but we'll see kind of what players decide. Um, but again, maybe they look at the, the, the on-field product and say, hey, Maybe I want to go somewhere else. Who knows? There's a lot of reasons that people could get around here and 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 figure out what their options. I think right now, when that portal opens on Monday, the next 45 days or so, it's going to be really interesting. I guess you could say it's free agency officially a free agency period, you know, for college football. But yeah, it's we're going to see a very different team and a lot of different shakeups and rumors 
you know, from now until, you know, that middle of January when that portal uh, session closes. You, you so, think it's going to be a really different team? I don't think it ultimately somewhat, will be. Well, dif- different in name only. I don't think it's going to be a drastically different team. Like, it's not going to be Penny Hardaway where you bring in a whole, almost a whole new roster. Um, but I think there will be some guys who aren't going to be here. Um, and that, it, it's just the nature of the beast. I think, you know, looking around. If, if, if players aren't happy with the way things are going on the team, if players look at some better offers or say they want to go somewhere else, I, I think it's going to be at least maybe a few. I don't, I'm not going to put a number on it, but different in name only, not drastically different. Gotcha. Interesting. Well, it'll be uh, intriguing to watch it all unfold uh, here as the the topsy-turvy college football offseason hits, uh, hits full speed, if you will. Um, we'll make sure to be, we'll be chronicling it all at commercialpeel.com. Make sure you head over there on Sunday night to find out where the Tigers are going bowling. Um, and, uh, you know, to keep up to date with the, uh, with the transfer portal, we've got a transfer portal tracker at commercialpeel.com that Evan is going to, um, continue to update, uh, over the coming weeks. Um, so this will, uh, this is, a. Uh, it's a little nerve-wracking, um, but uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. My thanks to Evan. Um, till next time, I was Mark, and uh, we will uh, see you uh, next week, maybe, and we'll know uh, whether we're going to Shreveport or Frisco or somewhere else. Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.